Welcome to the Business with Bordeaux podcast, where we're bringing basic business tips to entrepreneurs and the future leaders of tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on the show this week. If it's your first time, I welcome you and thank you for checking out the show. And for all of you uh, returning listeners, uh, thank you for continuing to support. This week, I have an interview with Applejax. Uh, You may know him as a Christian hip-hop artist. He is also uh, a student of music business as well as a practitioner. We're going to be talking about a new course that he has available for anybody out there interested in learning more about music business and getting your the, the business end of your music off the ground and running in the appropriate way. That way uh, you will have a more likelihood of success. So anyway, but before we jump into that, I do want to thank the patrons, the supporters of the show, Mr. Aaron Simpkins at TrueStrengthApparel.com. Uh, he's just a great guy. He helps me with my, he, he did my business with the Bordeaux t-shirt as well as the Solomon Sports Podcast t-shirt. So make sure you hit him up on um, TrueStrengthApparel.com and check out the available clothing items he has there. And he's got some stuff coming for the winter months so make sure you stay tuned i also want to thank mr wordpress stan at wpstan.com uh he is a gentleman who he actually does a whole lot of things but uh the the one thing we talked about here on the show is creating websites and building websites so uh you can go back and listen to that episode or you can hit him up at wpstan.com if you want to talk with him about getting you a website up and going and then i also want to thank lt smith uh, he is a Christian hip-hop artist himself. You can check him out on YouTube. And uh, and all these people support the show financially, so uh, they help make it possible for you to check out. So I'm very, very grateful to them. And without further ado, here is my interview with Applejacks. All righty, welcome back to another interview here on the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Uh, there's a new class, a new course that's going to be starting online to help uh, artists out there get their music up and going. And so I have the creator of that who was also an artist himself. He's been doing this for a little while now and is now a uh, full time in doing what he does. I wanted to sit down with him and talk about it. So I uh, would love for you to welcome with me, Mr. Applejacks. How you doing, sir? Hey man, I'm doing good. How are you? I am phenomenal, man. I'm doing great. I'm glad you were able to take the time to to do this for me, man. Hey, thank you. Absolutely. You know, I had a little bit of free time. Let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So, um, so I got to say that it was interesting because uh, the, the first time I kind of heard about you, I heard about you really twice. Well, I heard about you more so through, uh, I think you were on one of the Trackstars, um, uh, Trackstars episode a while ago. Yeah. And so I heard you on that. And if I'm not mistaken, you were talking music business up there. Right. Then after that, I actually heard you on Pat Flynn's podcast, Ask Pat. And um, and I hit you up on Twitter and I was like, hey, man, I just heard it. And it didn't click when I first heard it until he said, I love this guy's name, Apple (laughs) Jazz. And like when when he said it like that, I was like, hold on, wait. And I was right. like, and you asked the question, I was like, hold on, music artist, Apple Jacks, it, it, there, there can't be a coincidence. Right. So I'm just curious, man, like, uh, what what was it like hearing, because I've had a couple of questions up there. What was it like hearing your question up there? And, and did anything he say, like, really what was it insightful for you? Oh, man. Well, the first thing, it actually confirmed that the name should stay, because at the time, I was even debating about whether or not I should keep Apple Jacks. Oh. So... And I've been using Apple Jacks, the artist, for a while. I was like, man, maybe I need a new moniker. Because um, one of my friends had sent me a note, and she said that um, someone was making fun of me. Um, it's like, why would anybody be named Apple Jacks? I can't take that artist seriously if their name's Apple Jacks <laughs> after cereal. <laughs> so, um, I, so I was kind of seriously considering it. And then this happened, and you know, my question to Pat was primarily, you know, talking about my experience as an artist, that I'm an artist, vlogger, podcaster, business owner, and I release music as well. And I want to kind of offer tips and tricks to artists and things like that. And so I just kind of talked about my history, you know, uh, downloads and how many albums have been sold and things like that. And I was just surprised that he, he answered it. So I really was wondering how I can use music to grow my list because I was never really uh, taught how to take my music 
and other talents and build a list from it. That list building is never really mentioned in our marketing strategies. When you talk to other artists, they're always talking about, oh, I want to get something on this website, campaigns for this. But I rarely hear anything about list building. So to hear Pat Flynn, who I follow his podcast and what he's doing, um, you know, just talk about the name. The first thing he said was like the name Applejacks is dope. And uh, so that was cool. And then also just hearing his ideas really confirmed where I was going as an artist anyways by um, promoting and producing music, but also simultaneously making content that can help artists as well. So Right, right. Yeah, and I'll say one thing about the email list for any uh, artists out there listening is the one thing that I also hear uh, Brinson on his podcast, he always tells people to go to the website, sign up for the email list. And uh, I just think it's important to have an email list, no matter what type of business or market you were in, because it's a way to keep up with people and let people keep up with you. You can update X, Y, Z. So, um, so anyway, but I mean, speaking of which, uh, I mean, I'd love for people to just get to know you a little bit more. And if you want to start off with the name, like, you know, what is it about? uh, Why did you go with Apple Jacks? Because and one is Apple Jacks. It's got uh, J-A-X-X. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you didn't put the third X in there. That might throw people <laughs> exactly. off. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, it's just two X's, okay? Stay right. away from the third one. Don't right. type that in Google. Clearly. Don't tell it what to pop up. <laughs> anyway, man, but just let people know about you a little bit, your background, and how you got started in music and everything. Well, uh, my brand is, uh, the name Applejacks comes from uh, John 15, you abide in Christ and be a fruit. So that's Apple. And Jacks is like Jack, jacking something. And Mark 1, 16 and 17, Jesus is like, put the nets down, become a fisher of men. So for me, as I abide in Christ and bear good fruit, he jacks everybody from negativity and brings them to the mind of Christ. And I put the two together. That's how I got Apple Jacks. And, um, but it evolved from just that um, description to now I just tell people, um, I, I help people find their secret sauce. And one of the reasons why I do that is I believe that everyone is um, – gifted with something that makes them different but a lot of times we're afraid to show our difference because we don't want to get made fun of we're afraid of what people may think we believe that what we have may not be enough and so i just kind of from the beginning created apple jacks to just speak to them and say no your difference is enough and you can take what makes you unique and make it super cool because that's what makes you different and that's okay and you know for me i grew up in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, but I also lived in Connecticut. And no matter where I was at, whether I was in the hood or the burbs, uh, I was the same guy. You know, I didn't really change up because of my friends or people I was around. And that's what I want to encourage people. And, and the name Apple Jacks is all about that. I use the food, anal- the food analogy to um, further explain the secret sauce that, you know, um, life comes with different things. Like if you're making cupcakes, you have your butter. By itself, it tastes bad. Salt by itself, by itself tastes bad. Uh, flour and you know other ingredients, but if you add your experience and your talents and your gifts in that bowl and you mix it all together, that's how you make um, something super dope. And that, that's really where Applejacks, you know, is all about, and what is where I got it from. It's just really encouraging people to uh, trust God and trust that God has given them something different and that the world needs to hear. That's awesome, man. Just speaking of which, talking about, you know, quote, silly names. Uh, Skillet is one of the number one Christian rock bands out there. Right. And I'm pretty sure when people first heard the name Skillet, they probably thought they had lost their minds. <laughs> so I was thinking but, they were just cooking something in the kitchen. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like they were cooking something up. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, man, so uh, so what was your first experience in like doing music and how did you get into um to kind of doing what you're doing now? Oh, man. No, music started for me. Uh, in college, because prior to that, I was a basketball player. I wanted to be in the NBA. Um, I had a group of friends that we all were really good at basketball. Uh, I had a terrible senior year. Um, I didn't really play as much as I wanted to, didn't get recruited. So when I got to college, tried to try out for the college I went to, Campbell University, and didn't make it. So I played in college inter- intramurals. Now, if anyone knows about college intramurals, like you know, like the competitiveness of that, you know, it felt like a regular college team because a lot of these guys played in high school. Um, they could have played, but they want to become doctors. 
So that year, I tore my ACL. I uh, went to the, the, the national tournament in, US, in UNC and uh, tore my ACL at one of the tournament games. And, uh, and then I was like, okay, so what do I do? My basketball dreams are done. So um, during that time, I was also trying to expose people to Christian hip-hop. And so uh, my first concert at Campbell was with The Truth. And this, nice, the, this nice. is when The Truth first came out with his first project. Um, and so I kind of every year while I was in college, I would bring out Christian rappers. I wasn't a rapper at the time. Um, my junior year in college, I um, brought Tone. And he was a gospel artist at the time. And, you know, from that conversation that day, I didn't have an album, didn't have no demo or anything like that. And he was like, yo, man, you're family, man. Why don't you be a part of New World Inc.? And just from a conversation, you know, uh, about two months later, he flew me out to San Diego. And then that's how I started music. Like, my first recording experience was with Tone. And um, then I spent, I, I dropped an EP, uh, 805 Pop. 805 was my first single. And I was kind of uh, placed into the industry fast. And I had no recording experience. I didn't know how to do bars i didn't know how to structure songs and i just had like you know realized i had a raw talent and then um as i continued to produce music i realized that uh everyone else that was in the industry had been rapping for 20 years or five years and seven years and i'm like well i'm new i don't know what's going on with this rap thing <laughs> you know i've always been into hip-hop and stuff but i never i wasn't a rapper and so um i released an ep and then i took a few years off and one of the mistakes I made, I literally didn't do anything musically for three years. And then um, I released a mixtape in 2008. And then from 2008 to now, uh, I've been releasing stuff every single year. And then what got me into teaching is um, I took a couple classes at Harvard. And from there, I was encouraged to take the information that I have learned over the years and while I do it, while I'm a practitioner, teach the people that have not, you know, made any kind of steps towards uh, becoming a true entrepreneur and an artist at the same time, and, and kind of coach them into this next wave. So that's kind of how I got into it. Now, I got to say, man, the uh, the to actually practicing what you learn, I feel like that's probably one of the most important things for anybody um, in college at all. Is trying to while you're in college take what you're learning no matter what it is and try to put it into practice somehow. Right. Exactly. I mean, cause yeah. Cause I can imagine just learning this stuff and not doing anything with it or just holding on to it. And, uh, and that, you know, and things change over time too. Absolutely. I mean, you can think about college. If I would have known anything that I know now, like any of the information I have now, I would have been making a blog or a YouTube channel in college. I didn't even know. I was like, Oh man, I wish I had known this a while ago. And, and why it's important to, like, as you said, take what you know and then do something with that, like either a paper and write a blog about it or write a video or something. You know what I mean? You create some kind of form of content based on what you're learning. I think that's the best way to do it, especially while you're in college. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So uh, so talking about teaching, you have a new, uh, what do you call it, a course, a class that you have right. coming out? Yes, uh, right now it's called Music and Cookies Academy. It may change, but I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's helping starving artists find their secret sauce. And I think a lot of artists are struggling with understanding what to do. For example, some people believe that if you get a collaboration, a co-sign, land on a website, get a publicist, get a radio promoter, that you're going to blow up. And I even thought that for years, everyone was telling me, oh, you got to do this. And while I was doing it, I was like, this is not making sense. Like, there has to be another way to do this. And so I was actually kind of doing that for years, you know, five, six, seven years of doing it the old way. And I, and, and I thought it was the old way then. I was like, no, this is not right. Something's wrong with the way this is. So um, pretty much I kind of took all of the knowledge that I had and created a course so that um, artists and managers and labels can take it and then use it for their um, strategic marketing plans and kind of t work with their artists. It's not really more, it's not really a consultant thing. Um, it's more of like taking information and then you 
you learn something and then bring it to your team so you guys can implement it in the way that you want to. Take pieces of it that you really like, other pieces you might be like, oh, we already know this. You know what I mean? Then you kind of take the best from it and then implement it to your, to your brand. Right, right. So what are some, um, do you have any kind of uh, things that you've experienced, other things you experienced from artists that, uh, that kind of in general needs to uh, probably focus a little bit more on? Uh, like any kind of, you know, is, is there any commonalities you're seeing today uh, aside from the one that you had just shared that, that you feel like uh, you may be able to help with? Absolutely. I think being different is scary. A lot of people are afraid to stand out and be different. And I think that finding your story and your unique sauce will allow you to be able to um, step out of your comfort zone. And one of the problems that I see in, in our industry and just music in general is adapting to the change in market. Right. One of the biggest issues is a lot of artists are upset that no one buys downloads anymore. And they're like, everyone's streaming is taking my money. But in fact, if you, like NF, have 53,000 first week sales, but you got millions of streams, then that means the people that are streaming probably bought something on his website, whether it was a t-shirt, a concert ticket, something. So music now, I think the issue is most artists just don't understand business. And so I think a lot of times it's harder for them to understand, like, okay, if music is changing, how do I adapt? A lot of times we like to judge and, and follow an artist's like, end result instead of following their process. And if you don't follow the process, you can't see the legwork that it took five years of grinding and consistency that led to success for a lot of different artists. So I think that's one of the biggest things is artists is not really understanding the business and being upset. The streaming thing is really hurting people because – a lot of artists just don't understand it. They 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 only go on YouTube to promote a music video. That's it. They don't vlog. They, if you're an electrician, you can do like electrician tips and tricks and have your music <laughs> in the background. You feel what I'm saying? So there's so many ways that you can use your knowledge and your expertise other than just buy my album. So I think right. that's what it is. Well, coincidentally, NF was an electrician. Oh, he was. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, he did. I've heard him on one interview with Wado, and he talked about how uh, whenever oh. he dropped his EP, he would still do a little bit of work here and there. But uh, I just thought it was funny you made that connection. So, ah, that's <laughs> but, crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, just you know, real quick, briefly. Um, I know. Uh, again, I'm gonna bring up Branson. He's a huge, you know, yeah. buy album, buy album, and. You know, somebody like me, if you make great music, and I'm more likely to, to, to buy an album from an indie artist just because I understand, like, you know, they need that money up front. But, um, right. but yeah, but what you were saying with, uh, you know, if somebody is streaming your album uh, and they're listening to your music and, you know, they're going to want to go to a concert, they're going to want to buy the CD there mm -hmm. and a T-shirt and whatsoever, you know, like you said. So, uh, so I understand there's definitely that too. And I feel like just in general, we always have to learn how to adapt to any kind of market because every market changes, every single market out there changes. Right. And, uh, and so being able to change to it, no matter what the change is, that's, that's what makes a winner win and a loser lose. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, uh, so you're dropping this thing on, uh, on Cyber Monday. It was any specific reason you did that, or is that just, just something you wanted to do? I think it's just something I wanted to do. You know, Cyber Monday is always, um, the, the online deals. So just kind of, uh, stuck with that. I'm also going to release a song on Black Friday. So I have something coming Black Friday and then Cyber Monday, the course, and people can start in their year correctly learn all this stuff, and then, because I know everyone's going to be on break, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas breaks, so they have a lot of time to really think about this and get ready for the top of the year. So that's really, um, you know, one of the main reasons for doing it at this time. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of times when you're on Thanksgiving, you're kind of thinking, like, man, what am I going to do for the rest of the year? You know, I got, I got a little bit of time left, a little over a month, kind of think about my next step. So it's one of the reasons why I did it. Right, right. And, 
so what, what what's the process like? Uh, I mean, there's two things here I want to talk about. One, what's the process like in creating a course like this? And then two, uh, how does the actual course work for those who are interested? Because uh, I want to make sure people to under, people understand that it's not like a super difficult thing to, to do because, you know, obviously ease of use is, is one of the key things when you have anything online. So, um, so I, I guess, first of all, you know, what was it like? What were the steps that were involved in actually creating a course? Cause I mean, th this would be re really the first time somebody talks about, um, the actual process of it, even though we've had some people on the show who's done a course, mm -hmm. uh, I, I would like for you to break that down to, you know, kind of how it, works creating a course um you know creating a course starts with who your target audience is so who you're trying to reach and why so for me i understand that artists really do not want to do the business side they're like i want to create so in order to really help them i have to uh show them that it's important to know all of this stuff so the course it's not only talking about like promoting things like that, but the process for me setting, starting the course was starting with the issues that I had as an artist. The first thing is mindset shifting and understanding that um, we have to set goals as an artist, you know, uh, changing from being an artist to an entrepreneur, understanding the industry, common mistakes that artists go through. So, when I had to change the mindset, it kind of like helped me to refocus on my end game and not necessarily that my album sales is the end. And I think that it took going through that first. And so as I was kind of shifting my thought patterns in terms of the way I view music now, I was testing out what I was thinking with other artists. So I would ask artists questions and they would be like, no, I don't agree with that. You know, I'll be like, well, uh, well, do you have a, uh, you know, a strategy for creating music and stuff like that? No, I just go in the studio and make new music. And so hearing people's reactions made me understand that I was on the right path. The second thing is um, I had to understand brand identity, that every person has a story and everyone has something that makes them uniquely different than everyone else. So understanding that, I had to create the different pieces, which talks about um, who I am or who you are as an artist, what problem do you solve as an artist, and then how do you make people feel after they encounter your music? And I think having to ask myself the same questions forced me to be like, oh, I need to teach someone else. So again, the next thing I did after that was ask more questions on my Facebook page and was like, so what do you guys think? about <laughs> I've seen some of those questions. You know what I mean? And, and, it, and it's like, I, and people think I'm doing it on purpose, but I'm, it's really market research. It's really understanding yeah. not only the people that love my music, but also helping artists to think that they can create something outside of music that's connected to their music. So then it led me to the question that everyone always asks is content creation. How do you make an album? Things like that. And so I started to, to me, that's the easy part. You know, pre-launch, how you set up an album, um, the vision of the project, quality music is key, planning an album process and, and actually recording and producing it. That's easy. Most people always focus on the marketing and promotion side. So I had to first create um, the concepts that work for me and then understand what other artists are dealing with as I ask more questions. And so creating the course just started with the things that I was dealing with, the struggles that I had as an artist, um, creating a content calendar, for example. If you ever ask a rapper, do you have a content calendar? They'd be like, man, what is that? <laughs> I don't know what a content calendar is. And, right. and that's the reason why I kind of developed it. And I think um, researching and having conversations with people allowed me to be able to not only focus on what has worked and what didn't work for me, but also what's worked for other artists and what didn't work for them as well. So, um, you know, it, it really started with creating a course, started with just seeing the problem that people were having. And they had an issue with identifying who they are and what makes them different and then how to market that. That Those are the two questions that people always ask me. And, and you know, that's, that was the start of the course. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, if you look at and bringing him up again, like NF, like he nailed his his target. 
right. he, he nailed the marketing, the branding, everything around it. Uh, that was one thing that Ruslan said in his, like his album review or whatever, is that, um, is knowing who you are, knowing who your music is going to connect with and maximizing that. Exactly. It, I, you so, know, I like that too, because with NF, he destroyed that. I mean, it was, <laughs> they, they crushed it. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, I liked it. I mean, I want to, Bobby Bishop, I credit Bobby Bishop for this. Bobby Bishop was the one that actually um, introduced me to, to uh, NF a long time ago, not in ter- not in person, but like, oh, you know, there's this new artist coming out. This is, man, this had to be like five years ago. It was a while ago. And NF wasn't signed or anything like that. He had went through a couple label situations, and um, and I heard about him, and I've seen him grow from that standpoint. And the, the catch, though, is most artists believe that only a few can be successful in their artistry. I don't think that's the case. If you look at the mainstream, you obviously have the Drake's, Jay-Z's, Wayne, T.I. You know, then you have all the mumble rappers that everyone hates. <laughs> but there's a reason why all the mumble rappers do so well. And I think in Christian hip-hop, we struggle because only one to three brands have always dominated the entire scene and then everyone else is just under them and so my goal is to help us break the mold like get that big break and the only way to do it is finding out who you are and then as nf was doing build and list you market people to your website and you promote the things that you have so you know it's it's crazy but i think it's duplicate you can duplicate it i think it's like it's harder if you don't even have the tools and don't understand what to do and how you can target your fans. And that's what people struggle. Right. And I just want to point out the, uh, I mean, he is not a, a Christian artist by any means, but if you're talking about somebody who was a hundred percent focused on the creative of the music and the production and, and that, and no business at all, you look at an artist like Hobson. Right. Like, do, do, do you know that story? I've heard pieces of it. Like, yeah, so pretty much he was an artist. Uh, he did all his own production, all his own recording, oh, engineering, right. writing, videos. All of that was 100% completely him. And then all of the business stuff that was going on behind the scenes, he didn't pay attention to it. And then everything exploded. The label collapsed. Like, it was a horrible, horrible thing. And I was, I was thinking to myself, you know, when you were talking about artists who just care about the creative aspect, if you don't know the business stuff, you're still not going to succeed. Facts. I totally like, agree. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, unless you have, unless, I mean, unless Jesus is your manager. And, um, I mean, really like, cause even with people, you can't always trust people. That's like, you know, right. You know, you hear about people, even the CHH, that had issues with, with people they thought were friends who were stealing from them and stuff. So, um, so, you know, knowing the business stuff is, is, it's so, so important to anybody out there who wants to get into doing music because I don't think they understand how much of it is like business stuff and not just the creative. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I've heard it a lot. A lot of artists, singers, rappers, producers, they focus so much on creating the, the, the quality of the music that they forget the business side. Now, here's the catch that I always hear. Well, if the music is not quality, no one's going to be able to listen to it. Now, I understand. I agree with that. Right. But... um you have to be able to perform at a high level over a long period of time, which means you have to create systems and that can help you produce the music and then also market it well. And if you don't have that skill, I believe that you should at least go and collaborate with some folks that have skills with the skills you don't, so you can focus on your strength. But I do think that if you are an artist, every artist, it's 2018 now, you need to make sure that you at least understand the business side because people be like, well, I don't understand numbers. I don't. You can't do that. You know what I mean, like, you have to even manage your own checkbook. So you have to understand what's going in and out of your bank. So same thing applies to music. Um, speaking of someone that kind of does everything, I was thinking of Russ. Have you heard of Russ um, from Atlanta? Um, he recorded like ten. He's like a ten-year overnight success. He like recorded ten mixtapes, ten years, and then he released like like ninety songs once a week for like two and a half years. And he just blew up and he talks about how he mixed mastered, but had to market his own music because nobody else would pay attention to him. And I think that's the business side. Like I struggled with 
trying to find people that would um, listen to my music. Because I would get stuff played on Rapzilla, Trackstars, um, but I realized that I was never able to get collaborations. And understanding business allowed me to not focus on collaborations. That's why I don't even, like one person was like, yo, no one wants to work with you because you don't have any collaborations. And I'm like, well, first off, you can't force collaborations. But number two, if you understand business, you want to stick to the people that you rock with and people that, that love what you do instead of going to pay money for someone that may not even show you support on the day your album drops. It's crazy. You know what I mean? So yeah. understanding business is super good. Yeah, I've heard of that. I've heard of artists dropping albums and then the people, or they will drop a single with, with features on it and the featured artist doesn't say anything about it at all. Crazy, right? And, uh, and this caused some, some bitter emotions in those artists. And, uh, and so you can't always depend on those particular types of techniques to work. And um, especially because you're considering, even though you paid the artist for the collaboration, uh, even them doing it is still doing you a favor. Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. so uh, just a quick side note, I, I, you know, going through music submissions and stuff, there was a, a, a person who nobody knew who did a song who got a really, really well-known feature, really well-known feature, and, uh, and the one on feature sounded fantastic on it. You could tell they mix and mastered their own part of the song. Mm-hmm. Then the other artist sounded like a kindergartner on the track. <laughs> and, um, and so whenever they released the song, of course, the, the super duper featured artist, you know, didn't push it or whatever. Right. And so, um, and so, yeah, you know, even no matter what you do, you have to have quality, uh, quality is you got to have that. You know, that's the number one marketing. Um, that, that's the first step to good marketing is, is quality. Right. Um, because marketing is just like putting a magnifying glass on what you do. I mean, and you don't want to put magnifying glass on, you know, a poop emoji. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. we're talking about quality and stuff. So, uh, so, so anyway, going back to the course, man, how does the actual course work if someone wants to sign up and participate in it? Yeah, so they go to fantasy.com. Um, or, or go to appledapple.com and click Academy. When they go there, it'll lead them to uh, a page, a sales page, where they download the course. And the course is going um, – when it happens, it's going to send you out an email saying, hey, you know, thank you for being in the course. Use this link to sign to create a uh, user ID. When they have the user ID, then they will see a list of, of – modules so it'll be split up into like five modules and in each module there's a lesson and so um, within the lessons there's like a pdf that's attached to it and you can kind of follow along and checklist and things like that and there's going to be an app so the platform that i'm going to use they have an app that's associated with it so you can look at it on your phone or online and then as you complete each section the next section opens up for you so that way you don't just kind of go and like, oh, I'm going to go straight to the marketing section. And then you try to do the marketing um, strategies, but unless you perfect brand identity, mm. the why, the reason why you're creating music, developing your music properly, if you try to skip and go straight to the marketing, you're going to um, shortchange yourself because you won't be able to put in all the things that you need in order to make the marketing work. And also try to help people that, you know, know that it's going to take some time. You know, it takes a while to be able to perfect this. So you pretty much have to set aside what I suggest people create two projects in one. So if you have an album you want to release, you might need to make 20 songs and then make 10 for the album and then create a mixtape. And you can test out all of these rollouts. You can do a a seven day rollout, uh, a 30 day rollout of a single, get a music video and all these things done. And then one of the key things, too, that we kind of focus on, of course, is teaching artists to listen to the feedback of their fans. You know, their fans live vicariously through you. So you're not speaking, for example, for yourself. You're speaking for them. So for me, my community is known as The Difference. And I believe that every person in that group, they have something that no one else has. And so my job is to help them find that and say, like, yeah, I can do this. And they're in a community of people that can do it, whether it's nerds, goonies, whoever it is, outsiders. They're all in this one place, a whole gang of people, and everyone has something unique. And as an artist, 
the goal is that the character in your story is them. You know what I mean? And you got to solve their problem. I, and I don't think people really understand that music, for example, if you look at 116, they help people be unashamed. And the problem is people were ashamed of the gospel. So they say, no, be unashamed. You feel what I'm saying? So the problem is I was ashamed. And then um, the solution is don't be unashamed. You know what I mean? So 116, same thing with the misfits. People try to fit in. And then you can be a part of misfits and be like, no, I don't have to fit in with the crowd. So that's what we teach people. It's not about developing these movements. It's identify who actually likes your music, follow you, and then what they say they identify as within your music. And then you build a culture around that. So that's how they do it, man. Kind of keep it going that way. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, you know, even going back to, uh, you know, NF one more time, I think one of his key things is letting people know you can talk about these issues that you have. You don't have to keep them bottled up. Because, um, exactly. Yeah, so that's another. Uh, I tell you, man, the, the the branding and marketing around his whole entire situation is just like <laughs> you could do a whole entire like program hey, class with just that, man. I'm telling you, uh, people people need to study these things because, like, even you know, even though people complain about a lot of his songs and stuff sound the same, something's working. Well, you know, something's with, working with NF. What I like is the piece of music. Let's say Christian hip hop. Christian hip hop has a problem with trying to teach people stuff that they're not asking for. And people mm, always yeah. talk about, well, we want to hear more gospel centered music. Well, clearly the way that people have been doing gospel centered music, nobody want to hear it. Mm. So it's not necessarily that people don't want it. It's that the way that it's presented is not connecting. You feel what I'm saying? Right, so I made right. a song called Cheetah's High and the whole song was just about, you know, lifting Cheetah's High, literally. And I used it high as like a getting high kind of, you know, uh, kind of play on words. And I ended up with like almost 400,000 views on YouTube and it became my most popular single. And people were asking me, like, how did you do that? I was like, I just kind of made the song and I connected with people. The reason why people like this is because Jesus is different. It doesn't fit into uh, what you would think a Christian rapper should sound like. Now for me, because my brand is the difference in helping people find the secret sauce that flows within what I'm doing. With NF, he is following people that are struggling and they're angry about life. And there are a lot of people that feel that way. So he targeted his music to that fan base. And I think, you know, not understanding your music and not understanding who you're following and being self-aware about what you do, it doesn't allow you to be able to figure that out. But NF, they killed it, man. Who else do you yeah. think? you know, did really well. So I, I think social club did well, uh, do well yeah. with their marketing as well. But what else, who else do you think does well? With I mean, I think somebody from me who, who hits their target is a thizzle. Oh, thizzle too. Yep. Thizzle. I mean, like, you know what you're getting from him, but, uh, I mean, you know where he comes from. He connects with that group of people, but, uh, but even, you know, with, with him specifically though, I mean, he, he kind of lives out everything. He's still out there in the streets, in there being um an advocate for people and you know things like that so you know I, he, he's got an extra layer there that that you're seeing um right. that you might not necessarily see from other artists and uh and so i definitely think you know artists like that are are definitely hitting their target uh seven would be somebody else i mean there's not really i wouldn't say seven has a huge marketing ploy behind him but just the fact that he knows who he's making music for he's not trying to broaden his horizon he's hitting it every time exactly and uh and, and people love him like every time you know i've seen several artists or discussions where he's like top five of all time but you don't hear a whole lot about him specifically but i think that's because like he doesn't like he's not out there trying to broaden that reach in his music uh that's not a a play on words for each records or anything right, yeah just, <laughs> like he he knows what he's doing and what he's going after he hits it every time and um, I feel like anybody out there, if you find that that target market, like, you know, and I even talk about this. I had an article called The Riches and the Niches. Mm. I, I borrowed that from Pat Flynn, but a lot oh, of people yeah. have a lot of people liked how I brought it to music. But when you hit that target, I mean, you know, I feel like right now, like Cray, he's even finding, you know, he's kind of uh, kind of rebranding a little bit. And right. so, like, he's definitely hitting that market of. Uh, trying to strip away the the Europeanism of American Christianity, 
and right. uh, and trying to let people know, like, okay, you've been presented this in in in, a, in the wrong view. Here's the right view, and I I feel that with you, and so you know, and he's hitting his target too now. So um, yeah. So that target man, it's like I feel like no matter what you're doing, no matter what area of business you're in, if you know who your target is, what the problems is, and how you can fix that problem, you're going to succeed. Man, absolutely, I totally agree, and I think, um, man, you know what's crazy is like in Christian rap, we're not we're we're not uh, encouraged to think of music this way of niching and people always say stuff like, yo, my music is so dope. I'm ready to reach the masses. I don't want to reach the masses. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm trying to follow the people and reach the folks that are within my small niche. If it's a thousand people, I'm cool with that. You know, the 80, 20 rule, you kind of serve that small group of people and then you allow that to, to broaden out. Now, look, it took me years to figure this out. I was like, Oh man, I've been doing this backwards. You know, I wasn't tech. I wasn't checking numbers. Although I love looking at the numbers, but the numbers were only based on sales and free downloads, not mm-hmm. patterns, not what people actually like and what they don't like and things like that. You know what I mean? So I think, and I, here's the thing too. Now you tell me what you think. I'm looking at this like I talk to a lot of artists that hate trap music. <laughs> they hate mumble right, rap, right? right? They like, oh, it's only a fad. Trap music has been around since the early '90s. Cash money, way back in the day, Master P, right? So I am seeing that most artists are stuck in their ways that they can't adjust, and they say like, "I'm reaching my target audience." I personally feel like a lot of artist artists are afraid to try things new because they don't want to branch out too far. But if people are adjusting to the music and changing their styles and people like bumble rap and trap music i personally feel like artists should at least try it and say like you know what let me try to do a little bumble rap <laughs> just do it you know what i mean there are no limits but i think with understanding a target audience if you don't try something new you can't figure out who your target is because sometimes a person that may like social club you may think your target is only like, you know, kids and, and young adults, but you may find a person that's 45 that only listens to social club. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, so it, if you don't make that kind of music, you don't know who you can actually reach. And I think that that's what's killing a lot of artists as well is that they are afraid to try something new out of fear of losing their audience. And it's only when you have that freedom to do whatever you want that you can actually reach more people. Yeah. I would actually, uh, you know, I would take that and even add on a little bit and I would try to figure out why people like certain changes. Like, is there an overall culture of that's changing that makes people like a certain type of music, um, you know, or, or, or making the market adjust in a certain way? Uh, right. You know, I, I think one of the things with, uh, with, with like streaming, going back to streaming, is that everybody is in a... I want it right here, right now at ease. Right. And, uh, and if I can't get it at ease right here, right now, then, oh, well, I mean, you look at, um, you look at so many like, uh, CBS, ABC, a lot of the major studio, the, 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 the show studios out there. Uh, I mean, you could pretty much watch any TV show for free. If you wait a week and go to their website rather right. than have to buy cable service, right. like they understand <laughs> But they're advertising on those, so they're making their money from advertisement and their views. Right. And so people are rebelling against cable companies like Spectrum and AT&T and DirecTV. All them companies are in trouble right now because everybody's used to the Netflix right here, right now, streaming, pause, all that stuff. And uh, so you just have to figure out like, okay, well, this is where music or this is where whatever kind of industry you're in, this is where it's going how can I adjust rather than try to convince people this is the way it needs to be for X, Y, Z reasons. I totally agree with you. And, and for example, I have only cable and then I have Hulu and Netflix and WWE got to get my wrestling in. <laughs> so, gotcha. you know, what I realized is people asked me, it was like, well, you're paying similar to, cable. I was like, uh, but I have a choice. I can always cancel something if I don't feel like using it. And also you have more options because when you're doing Hulu live, I'm not trying to, not a paid promotion, but if you're doing Hulu live, 
I'm only doing it for sports. I'm only looking at first take and just kind of looking at NBA games and things like that. Um, with Netflix, you know what you get with Netflix, original programming and everything else. Um, but, for example, in Hulu, I can like go and watch Blind Spot whenever I feel like it and watch right. the last five episodes, as you said. But I think you know, the people that understand it, they benefit. Case in point, Netflix versus Blockbuster. Remember, Blockbuster was like, no one's ever going to look at uh, movies on the internet. And then look what happened. Blockbuster goes out. You know what I mean? Because they didn't understand the market. I think entrepreneurs and artists are following the same suit. If you ever hear an artist complain about the change in the market, that means that they're afraid to make that adjustment. And therefore, you know, they're not tech savvy. So they need to have, you know, they need to understand how to use Evernote to take notes, how to make music on the road, how to buy a laptop and do songs while they're, you know, um, in their bedroom or something like that and can't get to the real studio, make a studio at home. And I think adjusting to sounds is another way of like being, you know, connected. And you're right. You know, people may not even like, um, I used to use noise trade all the time. And then I realized that people were still going to Spotify more. My same audience that was downloading the free now moved over to listen to Apple music and Spotify. So I made my adjustments that I need to offer something else in order to get, you know, emails on my list instead of just expecting them to just download the album for free just because they can get it for free when they can just go online and stream it. And it's like all these changing things, but I feel like if you don't produce enough music, it doesn't allow you to understand the changes. And a lot of these dudes be taking three, four years to drop albums, and they even miss three different waves that happen in the industry, and they come in <laughs> sounding mad late. <laughs> facts, facts. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, they got to get, get, you know, on the way. Man, this pretty much just turned into a marketing branding podcast. It's true, man. <laughs> it's but, true. Um, but I mean, you know, if, if that's the stuff that's definitely in your course as stuff people need to know and get some stuff out of. And um, but so anyway, so the, the course is, is five. Is it five modules you said? Yeah, around five modules. Um, we focus on um, it's like a mindset kind of changing you from artist to entrepreneur brand identity uh, really connecting with your story your secret sauce content creation which focuses on um launch and creating the music and getting your music done uh, because most artists usually record music based on their albums instead of batch recording and recording you know 20 25 songs and then releasing them at a specific period of time um they like to just be like okay i'm gonna I'm record this week and I'm gonna release it in, in November. You know what I mean? And that's like three weeks later. So things like that. Uh, marketing promotion is the next thing. Tech savvy is the final one, and it allows people to be able to um, to to know what I'm using. You know, such as Pro Tools, Final Cut, Asana for my uh, project development, uh, Dropbox, Evernote for writing down lyrics and notes and things like that. And I have some bonus stuff in there too, like. Streams of income, what artists can do to build, to make more money as an artist and and not just focusing on album sales. Now, people people are focusing on album sales. And again, the people that are complaining about it are the ones that's probably not making money from their other streams of income, which could be digital sales, publishing, you know, um, your expertise, creating a fan club, things like that. So, yeah, those are all the right. different projects. Yeah, that's good, man. So... And is is it like a is there a certain time frame on the course? How does that work? Um, in the course, they have a lifetime access. So as soon as they buy, they have lifetime access. Um, at this moment, it's not like a membership site. So I may make a membership um, site later on, which have more exclusive stuff. But with this course, as soon as they get it, they have it for life. As long as uh, you know, I keep the platforms going. I may have to switch the platform. You know, it changes in platforms, but you know. It's not like, and also within the course, they'll be able to, I'll have office hours once a week inside the private Facebook group. So any, only those that bought the course will have this um, access to me. And then we'll just kind of think, ask any questions and I'll answer them and whether in video form or text or to a, a blog or something, answer the questions back. And cause a lot of times people have a lot of questions that they may, they may experience in the course or struggles they may have. And they need kind of some in-depth responses to certain things. 
Yeah, true, true. That's like having that one-on-one time with like a college professor after class. Exactly, facts. Yeah, because you got you got questions and you keep asking, asking, asking. You know, and you can't always, you know, do that. It it just you know during the class. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. And um, oh, was was I was going to ask something else? See, that's why I normally take notes as I'm thinking, (laughs) but uh, but I was listening too hard. So um, oh, I know I was going to ask. Did um. Were, we, were you able to try it out on anybody? Was there any kind of uh, test there in doing it? Yeah, so the first case study is Jesus High for me. Um, and what worked is I released an album the year before called Back to the Future. And I'm going to pull up the numbers right now as I'm talking. Um, the I think I barely made the money back. Like, right. I didn't sell... It didn't sell well, uh, and I couldn't figure it out. So GDSI was pretty much my first case study because with Back to the Future, I sold 200 albums and had 900, uh, almost 1,000 singles sold, and then like 27,000 streams, right? But the Jesus High series... Um, had a ton so um, and I like talking numbers a lot of times people don't really you know they don't really give you kind of any kind of facts on how things work and things like that right right and so the Jesus High series um, ended up doing about almost 500 albums sold 5,000 singles and about 230,000 streams so well, what year was that? This was 2010, but that's okay. 2010 to right now. Gotcha. So 2009 to right now. I don't know my first week um, pro- sales, my organic project, which came out in 2012, which was the last album. I've only put out two albums and a bunch of mixtapes. Organic did really well. I think the first week I had like 100 albums sold and a few hundred singles. And... Um, during that time, I was like on the iTunes. I think I got to like 50 on the top iTunes charts and something like that. And that entire project, that whole series did like um, almost 600 albums sold, 2,000 plus singles, and about 167,000 streams, something like that. So that was my first case study. And the reason why that right. worked is Gita I didn't promote. I just put it out. I had a song for free um, the year before, before my first album, and then I put it out, and it did really well. Then I put a video out six months later, and then the, the video has almost 400,000 views and gotcha. on YouTube. So then um, another artist I work with, um, a young boy, his name is Jay Radical, um, but his was primarily on Facebook. So we kind of worked out some strategies. He didn't put out a lot of music. But he was focusing on his branding, and he went from, uh, man, like a few hundred followers to like 10,000 followers on Facebook in like six months. So um, who was a few – some of the artists I worked with. A lot of artists I talked to, they just kind of had um, questions about certain things. I'm working with Servant and um, a lot of guys from Boston, but they haven't released anything yet. So a lot of what I've been doing has actually been on myself. And also privately going and doing strategic planning for other artists. So my goal with this is to have artists take this, go through this course uh, while it's not as expensive and and actually report their findings and say, like, OK, so I did everything in this course. And I went from 100 albums, 100 streams to now I'm at this place. And that's what my goal is. I want to see people do well. And I don't think there's a secret you know, I think people try to hold information because they're like, nah, we want to save it for our team. That's why right, I hope right. people, I hope people, you know, take this information and take it to their label and then try it and tell me what they did. You know what I mean? And put it to test and say, oh man, this really worked. Usually when you, when you don't see a lot of success as an artist, at least for me, a lot of success come, I mean, a lack of success is because they're only following, following record sales. And they're not looking at how many shows they booked, 
how they did on merch, things like that. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's where a lot of the issues, but a lot of the case studies, that's the whole point of doing it right now. So that that way I can have the case studies and people can, you know, say they, they did well and things like that. So I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see what people do with it. Awesome, man. Awesome. Me neither, man. So, uh, so again, where can they go to get that sign up for that? So just go to appledapple.com and then they will find the register button top right. Then they'll be able to. Uh, register and everything like that and yeah so it's you know it's gonna be and also they'll be seeing my music releasing as well i'm working on a new g design project and also cookies and ugly sweaters <laughs> so uh <laughs> you know being different right you know you gotta do something right, that people's right. gonna be um paying attention to so i'm gonna just take my music and and show them as i'm teaching it i'm doing it as well so that way they can see how to move out here in these streets. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, uh, and then where can they find you if they would just want to connect with you on social media? Oh, they can find me at, um, appledapple.com social media, Applejacks, two X's, um, depending on which platform it might be the Applejacks. And then I think only on Twitter is Applejacks. Gotcha. Gotcha. But that's awesome, man. Well, Applejacks, I appreciate you taking the time. I really, really enjoyed this discussion, man. It was really awesome to be able to talk music business and promotion and strategy and all that stuff. And I, I love it. This, I just love that kind of conversation, man. Absolutely. I appreciate Absolutely. you having me, man. Love the conversation. And thanks for, for just uh, connecting with me. Yeah, man. Yeah. So make sure you go check it out. Uh, and you can also, again, uh, you didn't say music and cookiesacademy.com as well? Yeah. So just go to appledapple.com. And then okay. everything's all there. I got you. I got you. Cool deal, man. So anyway, uh, I'll have that in the description for the show. So you'll be able to just click on that link and go straight to it. And uh, and yeah, man. So uh, hopefully we'll get you back on the show again uh, sometime in the future. Like I said, great conversation. And I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thank you. All righty. That was the interview with Applejack. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you learned something from it. Got something useful in that conversation. Uh, I got to say it was really good. I felt like it was just a conversation with him and I just going back and forth. It didn't even feel like an interview for the most part. So that was pretty cool. But um, Applejacks, again, if you're listening, I appreciate you taking the time to do the interview this week. And uh, and if, if you did find some, uh, some good quality information in there, I would love for you to share uh, this episode to let him know as well. Make sure you hit him up on Applejacks you know, Apple on, uh, on Twitter and everything. So an Apple Dapple, again, AppleDapple.com. That's where you can go sign up for the course and uh, find out more about what's going on there. So anyway, um, just so many great things that uh, is coming to the Business with the Porto podcast. Still looking for more interviews. Uh, if you, listeners out there, if you know anybody who would be a good fit for the show, somebody who wants to talk about their business, who's a Christian and uh, has a successful business up and off the ground, I would love for you to let me know who I need to reach out to for that. Or you can just shoot them over to businesswithbordeaux.com and my contact information is there. They can hit me up and we'll get something scheduled. And uh, so anyway, before we jump off the show this week, I do again want to thank patrons for the show, Mr. Aaron Simpkins at TrueStrengthApparel.com. Uh, I'm going to actually try to stick to the way my patron page says, which is um, <laughs> so you know I, I've been doing the uh, the post and the pre roll, um, kind of the the patron sponsorships for True Strength, uh, WordPress Stan, and LT Smith. Uh, the goal, obviously, is to get more patrons for the show, uh, more people to sign up to be able to help financially support the show. And I did add a new tier to the patron page, which will be, uh, it's a $10 tier, but you'll get a monthly 30-minute consultant uh, time with me and you know through Skype, telephone call, whatever, so I can help try to figure out ways, strategize to, to help grow whatever business you're in. Or if you have somebody else who might you know, benefit from that and you just want to support the show and give that 30-minute consultation to somebody else, you can do that as well. But uh, either way, uh, go check out businesswithborda.com if you want to become a patron. And I'm going to try to stick to that the, the accurate pre-roll, post-roll sponsorship segments for the show because uh, hopefully it grows. And then I'll have to figure out uh, how to work the sponsorships. But anyway... Uh, 
I'm going to go ahead and just round that on out. So uh, but before I go, I do want to thank Trackstars. Uh, if you haven't joined the Trackstars universe, make sure you do so. They have a wonderful interview over there. It's also going to be up on my website. That is, uh, They did with Devon Franklin and also uh, the uh, Hollywood Commandments. And it's just pretty much talking about being a Christian, finding success in the secular world. It's such an important concept. He said some incredible things in the interview, so you really need to check that out. It was some great information. But uh, anyway, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and end off the show this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week and find success in whatever it is that you have going on in your life. Thanks and God bless.